Yeah, lies. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Beef and Bitcoin podcast. This is episode 17 with your host, Brett and CH. Uh, today's topics, the continuation of the Bitfinex tether story. Looks like they are doing an IEO, an initial exchange offering. <laughs> we'll see how we'll see how that goes. We have some Q and A, uh, some Q and A to go over today. A couple uh, listeners submitted a few questions. We're going to go over those. And then, last but not least, looks like Chinese banks are starting to limit the USD withdrawals that their citizens can make. Uh, they're dropping that from five thousand dollars for a single transaction to three thousand dollars to a single transaction and also requires um, proof of why you need to withdraw the money. What do you even need it for? Sounds, uh, sounds shitty to me, but, you know, what else is new? But, uh, yeah, man, so how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Uh, it's pretty interesting what's going on. We are recording, and uh, futures markets have opened up, and, yeah, equity indices are down 2%, and a bunch of... Uh, foreign exchange currency pairs have jumped what which way and whatnot like when you're talking like usd jpy usd cnh just a bunch of different pairs are jumping around uh so definitely interesting time right now a lot of stuff going on like no deal trade in china or no trade deal with china it seems like after trump's tweet today uh it could make an interesting week in the markets just everywhere we're talking oil we're talking even crypto too it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah, that's a good point. I'm I'm curious to see uh, if anybody tries to make a comparison between uh, you know Bitcoin and crypto markets being correlated with uh, with the equities. So this is an interesting week to see how that plays out. If if we see some more activity in equities and global markets, um, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes peeled to see how um, Bitcoin performs. Uh, over this over the same time period so you know more to come on that but uh we should probably jump right in and talk about this bitfinex initial exchange offering so it looks like icos are dead and initial exchange offerings are are back on the table um so as we talked about last week if you listen to episode 16 um you know bitfinex had 850 million dollars worth of funds frozen by the authorities in Poland, the U.S., and Portugal, and that was from uh, their payment processor. So when you have $850 million seized and you have expenses, you're going to need to raise some funds. And now that we're in a Bitcoin world, the fastest thing you can do is launch a token. Um, and I'm not even hating against Bitfinex, I mean, what else are you going to do? You got to try to stay solvent and remain running. They're holding a shitload of Bitcoin and a shitload of Tether of people's funds. So that should be a good warning of just be very careful leaving your shit on the exchange. Uh, not your keys, not your coins. You, you guys know the whole, the old, uh, the old saying, but so <laughs> I don't know, man, it looks like the the original allocation is going to be available to private investors, and then they're going to open up open it up to the public on May 10th, um, if there's any allocations that remain. And uh, I wonder. Let's see. We have five more days. Today's the fifth, so I'll, I will be interested to see if that token actually pumps. 
Um, I hope, I hope it doesn't go too crazy because, um, they're just tr really trying to do this to solve a liquidity crisis, right? Um, they're just trying to stay solvent, but it also looks like these tokens are, the goal would be to buy back these tokens on a monthly basis at whatever the market rate is. Um, and they're going to use at least 27% of their, of their profit from the previous month to, to buy back. So that would be similar to your, uh, your stock buybacks. And, uh, if they if they can't get back the money that was seized, they should be able to buy back all of the tokens within four years. Now that's based on uh, historical profitability from 2017 and 2018. And you know, just before we started uh, recording, we were talking about you know, does is it is it a good idea to extrapolate 2017 and 2018 um, revenue or profitability? Um, and you know, put push that out into the future to say that they'll be able to buy all these tokens back in the next four years because you never know what trading volumes are going to look like or revenue. If you take a look at Coinbase, their uh, their revenue from transaction fees is is like down forty percent. So it could like between last year. So like you know, Bifinex could really be in a struggle there if. If they uh, start losing a lot of users that are that are fearful of having their shit seized, um, I don't know. What do you think about all this? Well, it's not even just that. Like, if the markets just dry up, liquidity dries up. In the case of you know, just market failure in general, we're not just talking like your market structure collapse. Basically, we're talking about if U.S. equities go down. Like, there's a loom dart on Twitter. If you guys are not in crypto, Twitter, you don't know who he is. He's a pretty funny guy. But anyways, point being, he was like all of 2018s like, yo, why do all these crypto people, crypto people want stocks to go down? That's not good for crypto. And I kind of agree with him in some sense because there's some way in some ways people are going to be like, yo, I don't want to throw my money into crypto because look what's happening with, you know, everything else. They're going to be like, oh, I want cash. I want gold, whatever. Because, you know, a lot of people still don't know what crypto is. So, you know, giving them, you know, I mean, like we, we think, oh, crypto is just a broad thing. And you talk to the average person, and they're like, what? you know yeah i guess that's a good question you know is is bitcoin a risk on or risk off trade and i think the answer is it depends on who you're talking to 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 me um when i was first buying bitcoin it was a risk on trade you know it was 2017 equities were making strides to the upside you know things were great economy was pumping you know why not it's a risk on trade i ha i i'm willing to risk it and now for me personally, Bitcoin is definitely the best risk off trade, um, in my opinion, just because of the way I view macro global markets and, you know, two years of, of study on, on Bitcoin sound money and Austrian economics, I feel much more comfortable with my um, Bitcoin investment. Uh, but to the average person, if the market's going to shit like Bitcoin's going to be the last thing that they might want to speculate on. Right. I mean, they're, they're looking to cash gold or real estate, something else, anything, but the, the arguably the riskiest asset on the planet. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be tough to say the riskiest asset on the planet, but, um, you have a valid point there about that. Um, in terms of the risk off risk on, you know, there's, I was talking to someone today about it, and they even, you know, he said he listens to a podcast, you know, show, whatever. Um, and the guy was talking about buy gold, buy silver, buy Bitcoin. And 
you know, the guy, the, the older gentleman I was talking to, you know, he agreed with that. And it was, you know, pretty interesting to see someone who is probably in their 60s say that. So um, I think it is catching on in a way. And I think people do see Bitcoin as a, you know, there are people who are starting to see it as a risk off asset compared to other things like, well, okay, well, property in this area is way too fucking expensive. Um, I already own some gold. I already own maybe some silver. I already own some land. What else can I buy that might have, you know, also generate a possible return? And when we talk about that, you know, some people will say, well, they might they might just put 1% of the net worth into it, you know. And no, that that's might, a good point. And that might take that 1% of the net worth, might grow to be 10% of the net worth just because of how small it is. And I'm not saying that's, here again, nothing here is financial advice. I'm a degenerate gambler, um, so nothing here is financial advice. But that's just a point. No, that's a uh, that's a really good point. This might this is one of the only times in history when you could allocate one percent of your net worth into an investment such as Bitcoin and have that turn into the majority of your net worth in a decade. Um, and these these kinds of like wealth transfer events happen every few generations. And I think we're just lucky enough to be um, watching one happen. I mean, if you were in equities in the you know in the late 90s and you were seeing all the 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 dot coms start to come to fruition you could have made a boatload um and and this is kind of the the same thing for the millennial generation and the generations below us will have an opportunity to have outsized returns uh greater than what they would have originally expected more than that you know seven to ten percent growth a year will look like chump change compared to massive hundred x plus um, growth that we've seen in the last few years yeah uh, i completely agree with that there's some there's that factor that if it does you know and i think it's one of those things where it's like okay if it really does become something where it is a use in global trade and people use it and it has an infrastructure it's an infrastructure layer and it really comes to fruition of what it's supposed to be then yeah it's going to be very expensive like and as we've talked about before the numbers will get ungodly expensive <laughs> like right it, it'll be stupid right. like oh bitcoin went up ten thousand dollars today and people are like well fuck if i owned one bitcoin i'd made ten thousand dollars today you know or just it, it, it just doesn't but here again I, the only thing i i am concerned about at the end of the day here is just the liquidity issue what's driving everything like we can't we can't deny the fact that all of 2017 was just the market every market went crazy like you know talking equities and then crypto itself and that was all liquidity driven you know central banks around the globe and then recently we had that bump and it was the people's bank of china pumped a trillion dollars liquidity in the market well what do we see we see stocks continue to rise on you know just BS headlines and everyone knows the economy's a bunch of shit like you can't argue that fact and I always tell people you can't argue the fact that the economy's bad when like 69% of Americans have less than a thousand dollars in their trading account it's like that's fucked and not trading account Jesus savings account um but you get my point a thousand dollars not in their <laughs> Jesus trading account but a thousand dollars not in their savings account that's that's insane so what happens when they lose their job you know, what happens when they lose that income source? That's a big deal. Like, they, they're going to stop buying things shortly, and it creates this giant negative feedback loop that's going to just eat itself out. People stop going to restaurants. 
the you know the waitress at the restaurant stops making money she stops spending money elsewhere and it just keeps it keeps cycling and it gets worse right right it's very uh very downward spiral and um yeah i think that's a that's a really good point and we won't you don't you don't know that that's happening until it's happening yeah it's it's fun to speculate on now and i guess i, I saw some of that in 2008 during the last um or the great recession whatever you want to call it and i i was in in college at the time and gas was five dollars and fifty cents and you know people were it was not a great time and that was also a long time ago things are way different now the the debt is higher than it was in 2008 both on a on like a state level and then for uh, personal loans it's really gotten out of control you have a ton of credit card debt student loans ridiculous auto loans i mean just a lot of a lot of shit um but i guess we can kind of touch on that when we get back to macro but um to bring it back to you know the bitfinex initial exchange offering <laughs> just reeling like, it back in over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of went one we way went, and then we're going to... We went sideways. We went sideways a little bit. <laughs> but I think the point is, um, and I, I, I just thought of a way to tie it back, and I'm going to, is that now you have a way to raise money and get liquidity faster than ever humanly possible. So imagine Bitfinex was just... Uh, an exchange that didn't trade um, crypto assets, for lack of a better term, and they had $850 million seized, how the fuck are you going to raise $850 million like a couple of weeks later to cover your expenses? There's no other way to do it. Like, it, would be, it, would, it would be impossible, and that's no. my point. I mean, this... um, so, so that's that's a brand new innovation, yeah. right? So they're raising a f- this, and 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 that's very cool, and I'm and I'm glad yeah. that that exists because you, there shouldn't be all of these additional regulations, um, hurdles, regulations. medians, yeah, like, middlemen exactly. everywhere. I mean, right. think about, I mean, even just think about 2017. I know we always, you know, not everyone sees eye to eye on the whole ICO thing, but still, that was crazy. Like, think about people were able to just fund things out of nowhere, anywhere. Like, think about okay, the basic attention token which was like 30 million ICO was done in like 30 seconds or something. It was, they was filled up that quickly. Right. I mean, right. that's insane. And, that's, and it's and cool. It's really, it's really cool. That's like, it's so, it's so far ahead of its time. Like think about nowadays, like the hurdles that Uber is going through to get its fucking shares to the public so it can dump it on the fucking retail's head the last second because Uber is supposed to go come out this Friday. How the fuck are they going to release if the market's down like five, six percent this week? They might oh, just call it off, yeah. like, but then it might be too late. Like they're like, well, fuck. If it's like, yeah, it, do you know how much they've spent in the past, however long they've been planning this IPO, like insane to push months. it back, insane oh, amounts of money. It's it's probably ungodly. So and 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 that's a good point because even and using the, the IEO as an example, the, the barriers to entry to raising funding. It pretty much it's as close to zero as you can possibly get. Yeah, um, and that's really really awesome that uh that is now possible and you know what if people are going to choose to invest in the ieo um there should be no investor protections by the state or whatever increased regulations you need to be willing to get wrecked and it, that's exactly how it should work so i i do appreciate the lawlessness of the whole space because it's just it, it's 
I feel like I'm seeing the first like free market and it's it's cool to watch and I hope that that kind of continues and the free market will wash away all the people that get wrecked all the bad ideas and it's going to work exactly as a market should and that's fucking awesome it's just the future that's what it is it's like it'd be like you know understanding how big automobiles were in the 1880s and 1890s and understanding that like and by like obviously people are like f this but by like 1930, 1940, it's a whole you know different ballgame. Automobiles run everything. You know what I mean? Right. It's yep. it's the same thing, except it probably would be a little more accelerated. A little more accelerated, I imagine. Like technology adoption just gets more and more increases. But still, when you think about the internet, the internet took a long fucking time, man. We're yep. talking like yeah. to get where it is today. Internet really decades. has been yeah decades. We're talking late 60s when TCP/IP protocol, the basic foundations of the internet was you know completed like it's so it's you know that's what we're talking 50 years really yep i mean so yep. that's where we're, that's where we're at in this and like who knows where this will be in two decades yeah i don't think we can even we can't even i can't even speculate can't even, you, you can't even speculate or predict and uh and i don't think we've seen the the iphone moment of what bitcoin can kind of do i think it's you know it's great as a people who use it as a store of value i understand that use case i can see people wanting to use micro payments for lightning and see what use cases that enables but i don't think we've seen that light bulb iphone moment when it clicks for a billion users right um, it's like whatsapp has a billion users like that makes sense to so many people across the globe that can now communicate end to end encrypted. Um, we haven't seen that moment yet for Bitcoin and I have no doubt that we will, but I also have no doubt that I can't even come close to speculating on what that might be. And, uh, whatever it's going to, whatever it's going to be is going to be a surprise. Um, what do you think? Should we jump into some of these Q and a questions? All right. So, Thank you to all of the uh, listeners who submitted questions on Instagram. It's great. Um, we're going to try to rip through a couple of these. So the first one is, what is the best exit strategy? Um, that's a good question. And it's something I've actually been thinking about a lot. Um, and it really depends on how you define exit strategy. Because I have no plans on exiting from... Bitcoin back to, to fiat. You know, my investment thesis is based on uh, Bitcoin becoming money in the decades to come. Um, but that doesn't mean that I won't have bills to pay, things to buy, purchases to make that unfortunately might still require fiat to pay for. So, um, you know, what is my exit strategy? Uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't have one yet, but it's something that I think about every single day. And I think the best thing that you can do is have a plan for um, taking profits at particular price targets that you have predetermined and setting a plan that will not change no matter what. Um, but I, I don't have a plan yet. I don't know. It's something I need to work on. I was actually thinking about building a should you sell calculator that goes and <laughs> calculates like your cost basis if you sell, and this was the example that I was uh, talking with with one of my followers, and a really nice guy, we had a great conversation, and he was like, "Are you seriously not going to sell the next top?" And I was like, "Dude, I have no fucking clue." 
And I was like, let's say you sell two Bitcoin at a hypothetical price of 250,000 and assume your cost basis is zero. All right. So you net 500 K you're up half a million. Well then what? Well, you need to, um, you need to subtract any expenses for that sale. Those could include, uh, taxes, um, accounting, um, moving money from one place to the other, other things that you uh, haven't really factored in yet. So you have that. So let's call it, uh, you know, 15%. Uh, then you're left with, I don't know, 425 grand. And then you have to say, okay, well, are you going to, are you going to buy back those two Bitcoin that you sold? If the answer is yes. Okay. Well, how much is that going to cost you? Well, you don't really know. You don't know how low it's going to go. Are, are you assuming that it's going to drop at least 80%? Are you assuming that it's going to drop at least 50%? Um, do you have enough funds to, to buy back those two? If it only drops down to 100K, will you not spend the extra 200K that you have left? You know, it's, it's a really tough question to answer. And uh, I mean, I live in California. 200 grand isn't going to get me shit. Like that, that's not going to help me survive for that much longer. If you know what I mean? Like, I don't even mean to be a dick about it. It's more like 200 grand is 20% on a million dollar shack down the street from me. Uh, like it's just, uh, yeah. And, the, and then I have seven, yeah, like a $7,000 mortgage after that. So while it sounds great to have an extra 200 K lying around, I just don't, I don't know that I'm going to be able to use that to my benefit. And also if Bitcoin's at a quarter mil, I would assume that the dollar is much weaker than it is today and real estate prices will probably be lower than they are today. And I don't know that I'd want to be converting an appreciating asset into an asset that could potentially lose value because it's been, the prices have been, um, I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, but distorted because of like a few decades of cheap credit. So you've seen, right, you've seen asset deflation just from, Everyone's like, oh, there's not that much inflation. Well, yeah, it's hidden because all you need to do is look at fucking real estate prices in any metropolitan area to know that it's ridiculous. But you can still buy a, you know, a cheeseburger for a couple bucks. So I, I understand the inflation doesn't seem as bad on the surface argument. But when the average person can't afford to um, buy a house and have children and have leisure time, because they can afford all those things, then there's inflation. It's just hidden in places that are um, unseen. Yeah, they're invisible to the untrained eye. We had another question, um, and the question was, should I keep holding NEO? Uh, well, that's a kind of a you-specific question, um, and it really honestly like depends on where you bought, but... I know what CH is already going to suggest, and I would probably suggest the same thing. This is not financial <laughs> advice at all. This is zero financial advice. I'm just going to look at this chart and tell you that buddy's done for now. Um, doesn't look <laughs> It does not look pretty. Even if you bought really early, it probably isn't pretty in the dollar sign. This is just a Bitcoin chart. It's probably really bad in the dollars because Bitcoin fell 80% too, so you got to keep that in mind. So obviously Bitcoin's up now, and that's what makes it even look worse. I don't even want to know. Let's look at the volume. The volume would be a really kill key teller here yeah i'm just gonna let the volume <laughs> tell that story there um no you should not keep holding neo this thing is fucking dead it looks like for a time <laughs> like the volume there's not even there's not even volume like the like okay there's a little volume i don't know yeah, 
it's dead. It's dead. It looks pretty dead. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It looks pretty dead. It might come back to life. It's a there's coins that trade forever on fucking Cryptopia. There's coins like on some of those shit coin slingers, dude. There's coins that just trade forever, man. And they're dead. There's no development team. Like I remember when I was exploring Cryptopia and looking at coins, I was like, you just try to find like a gem or something, and you're like, oh, this coin's been dead for like four years. Like you look at their Twitter, and it's still getting traded. So it doesn't mean it won't go up, because speculation still happens. As long as the token's there, people will speculate. <laughs> it's like that's just like, dude, fucking BitConnect, dude. BitConnect kept going after it fucking fell apart completely. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, these coins will be traded forever. Uh, that's a really good point. And, and people, Doge was just put on Coinbase, and like people were celebrating. And so I don't Doge know that anyone's the, done anything. Hey, you know, I mean, Doge, Doge is was sponsored. A fucking NASCAR. I consider that as about the most legit crypto there is out there. And it funded wells in Africa. You can't argue the fact that the Doge community has done some things. Yeah, I don't argue with that. I do want to make note that um, <laughs> the founder the founder of Dogecoin literally has said he's like I made it as a as a meme pretty much. Yeah. Um which is which is great because uh you know, we like memes. Memes are kinda how we got here. Memes are you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like that's, but you know, the short answer is when you think about what's being built here, you know, we're trying to build global money. Um, Neo just doesn't have a chance in hell, and neither do 99.9% of any of these shit coins, but they can be very fun to speculate on. And um, just you need to prepare accordingly. My experience with shit coins was not great. And, uh, <laughs> You know, like I did okay. It's not that like, but you kind of have to like. Yeah. Everybody has their their hodler's journey, right? They go and they find out about Bitcoin. Like, oh yeah, it's kind of old, blah blah blah. And you go through the shitcoin thing, and you think, oh, these are the next Bitcoin, and it can do X, Y, and Z more than Bitcoin. Whatever, pick a metric, yeah. and uh, you kind of work your way back, and then you, you realize. Oh, okay. Let me read a little bit about money history and the Bitcoin standard and blah blah blah. Next thing you know, you're a you're a libertarian Austrian econo- economist and uh, me eating. You know, and, and me, and me eat. Yeah, right. So I mean, that, that's pretty much the the cycle of how it goes, and you'll be able to answer that if you keep listening to this podcast. You'll you'll answer that question. It's uh, yourself for yeah. sure. No, it's definitely interesting. Um, the holder the holder's journey. Um, it's interesting to say the least. Shit coins are definitely like, as you said, it's not that. It's just you did okay. It's just like, it's it's definitely interesting to see where we're at now. Like it's and it's definitely different for us because when like in twenty seventeen when we're getting in like things were ab like think about the like how much people were talking about like the the, the Facebook groups, the Reddit groups, the Twitter, right. like everything was going crazy with crypto. Like, if you, if you looked hard, you didn't have to look that hard, but you could find it. And then, obviously, it all culminated in December. But, like, and so, like, the shit coins made sense then with a lot of people. And, like, like obviously, there were some people who knew. and But, like, there was, like, you know, you could start to tell things after a while and certain shit coins, obviously. There's a lot that were just scams. But, you know, until you really understand, because Bitcoin was just, oh, wow, Bitcoin's expensive. And also, as I said before, Bitcoin transactions were slow as shit. They were right. slow as shit, and you're like, well, this is fucking useless. I'm like, I could send money at this altcoin in, like, five minutes. And, right, like, right, you, right. I looked into Bitcoin a little bit, but, like, obviously, like, I, I read the white paper and everything, but, like, I didn't understand, you know, like, at that time, I didn't understand, I guess, the importance of money at that point. 
right. like real real importance. Uh, and I went to that rabbit hole. Fucking ruined me, dude. That ruined me as a person, probably. That ruined me as a person. That money rabbit hole has just ruined me as a person. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sorry. People know me. I'm yeah. sorry. It did. Dude, like once you understand how fucked the money system is, you're just like, wow. Everything else does not fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It can definitely give you a very pessimistic look on yeah. uh, just kind of everything in general. Yeah. But it will it will uh, teach you a valuable lesson about shit coins and sound money. So that's a that's a good thing. So I, I guess we kind of talked about the next question just now, you know, thoughts on using altcoins to gain more Bitcoin. Um, if you can do it, good luck to you. Uh, you know, I, I I wish you very well. My experience was, was okay. I, I ended up doing all right. But uh, I did go back and calculate had I never converted any Bitcoin to altcoins. any shit coins or had all of my purchases, like had I never bought any ETH and I would have bought Bitcoin instead, I'd, I'd have like double the amount of Bitcoin that I have right now, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's like, it's a, that's a shitload more, double the amount that you had now. And I wouldn't have had to do any kind of crazy accounting calculations for, for tax purposes. Uh, you wouldn't have to worry about short-term capital gains, long-term capital gains, uh, all of that stuff would have went away. And, you know, it's a lesson that everybody kind of needs to learn on their own. If, if you think you can be a good trader and you've studied the markets and you've looked at all the cycles and you think you can time it well enough that you'll end up with more Bitcoin than you have when you started, then I guess go for it. Your The outcome will teach you whether or not you were correct on that. But... Yeah, I, I don't recommend it, but I also didn't do very well, so that that's my biased opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it, it really, as you said, like if you understand it and you really, really take your time to understand trading, the, the mental and emotional aspects, go for it. All, more power to you. doesn't mean you'll do well. But, you know, obviously, like there's a very good tweet that one guy, and I, it, it might turn out to be a shitty tweet, but he, he mentioned like someone's like, he's like, if you want to make money, just look at those medium-sized altcoins with rising vo- volume profiles that are down 90% and buy them, you know. Um, and there's that famous quote that, and I'm not going to say this is investment advice, but there's that famous quote that Warren Buffett says, you know, be greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. And he's 100% right about that. Like, there's people that just made a stupid amount of money in altcoins and Bitcoin because they bought when no one was talking about it and no one cared about it. And they sold when, you know, everyone was talking about it. It's that simple. Um so that's one way to look at it. Um, like there's people who bought Bitcoin when everyone said it was going to die at 3200 3300 And they're pretty, sitting pretty well up almost like, what, 70% right now? 60%? Yep. Something like that. Yep. So they're sitting pretty pretty right now in that sense. So it's, it's, just, it's just some food for thought um, on like, you know, buy when there's blood in the streets. I mean, it doesn't mean buy everything when it goes down because some things don't come back. Like Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers, <laughs> right. some things don't come back. It's like stocks. That's something to worry about. Like seriously, people don't realize there's so much risk in the stock market, and like when this thing inevitably bursts, there's gonna be so many companies that just fold up. They just don't cease to exist. Like Uber is just a giant source of losing money. Sure, it transports people, but unless it keeps getting funded, it's just gonna run out of money. Would it loses like three point seven billion dollars a year, four billion dollars a year? can't like that's just it's not sustainable yeah when i think about uh when i think about maybe the tech bubble 2.0 
popping if you know that hasn't happened yet but if when, when it does i guess is a better way to think of it um if we think back to what survived the last dot-com bubble you had the handful of things that remained and uh the, really the question you need to ask yourself is will uber be be one of those companies and i i could probably make pretty good arguments for for and against that i mean they're definitely um doing better operationally than than their competitors i guess lyft would be their main one um, they're much more efficient they scale much better so to your point if they can remain solvent by having uh, capital continually injected into them year after year until they can start turning a profit then i i could see them coming out not relatively unfazed but surviving the next uh the next crash but um yeah i definitely can't say the same for like bird scooters or uh you know half of the bike startups that started yeah it's you could you're completely right about that in that sense it's uh definitely interesting to think about all that in a nutshell um where we are and how we've gotten here uh I don't know. All right, let's let's jump to uh, let's jump to another question. Sorry. Do you think? That, do you think? I got distracted for one second there. Do you? Uh, next question is: Do you think the bear market is over? Uh, oh, that's, ooh, that's, that's a tough. That, one. That's a tough one. You can, you, you want to lead off or you want me to lead off? That's a good one because it's I'll, like. Uh, yeah, I can start. So, do I think the bear market is over? Uh, I think the bear market's over, to an extent that. If we won't make a lower low, uh, I, I I would be surprised if we broke below three thousand. Well, but it wouldn't surprise me if we were to continue bouncing around from be... where we are today uh, to to three thousand. Sure, I think this is an accumulation phase, and uh, I would reference um, Tur Demeester's latest article that uh, we're going to try to cover in another episode, hopefully in a week or two. But um, this is your typical accumulation phase. It's been a year, 18 months into this uh, bear market, into the downtrend. We've, we've, we've seen this pump from 32 to, to 58-ish in the last you know, few weeks. Um, that's a great sign, but it's also a good sign that we're now in that accumulation phase. Uh, Bitcoin transactions on chain are like at all time highs right now. They're about to, you know, make new all time highs, and the mempool's still low. Tra- it's it's still you know a couple cents to to send a transaction. So things are definitely looking good. But I, this is the time for me. Uh, I'm I'm stacking sats as always. Uh, not a week goes by that I don't stack. I don't really care what the price is, and I try not to even look at it that much anymore. And I guess you could say I'm always in an accumulation phase, but. I don't know. What do you think? Is the bear market over? That's a good question. I was going to say, just to uh, clarify, he is only talking about Bitcoin. He's not talking about shitcoin. So if you're like that dude holding oh, Neo. Oh, yes. Good point. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that because some people are like, oh, I'm going to hold this shitcoin. Well, if you're like that dude holding Neo, that Neo might not come back to its price ever again in US dollars or even Bitcoin. So just a food for thought. But um, that's a good question, dude. As I said like earlier, and I, we're not going to hear the part because my mic went all haywire at me, but... I am very pessimistic about everything globally. Like we just saw China lower the bank liquidity, which we'll be talking about in a second, um, lowers daily USD withdrawals, which is US dollar withdrawals. You got the trade war probably off now, or trade war, excuse me, is on because the, the trade deal is off. That's a huge deal. Um, you got Hamas firing rockets in Israel, Israel bombing uh, the Gaza Strip. That's kind of a big deal. I don't think people realize to take that into account. 
And then you got what's going on in Paris, and Paris has been going on for like five, six, or six months, basically. Uh, it's a big deal. Like, Paris, France is a big country. Like, that's like a lot of people who aren't working. That's a lot of people that aren't going there for tourism because there's protests and riots going on. Like, there's a lot of things I'm factoring globally. And like, yeah, I'm bullish on Bitcoin because I like the chart setup and I like it's, you know, it being a base layer and secure money. And I, I don't hold like a bias with, with Bitcoin, gold, silver, other things, because I think it's stupid to do it that way. I think if you're fundamentally, like, oh, you can only have Bitcoin, everything else is shit. That's stupid. Like there's there's reasons to own land. There's reasons to own gold. There's reasons to own silver. There's reasons to own Bitcoin. You know, there's reasons to own dollars, U.S. dollars. Why? Because it's legal tender in the U.S. Everyone's going to accept a dollar from you. Now, obviously, if you hand someone a fucking, like, ounce of gold, they'll be like, okay, yeah, I'll take that ounce of gold because it's worth a lot. You know, obviously, if you're paying the right amount, but you get the point. It's, um, you know, I'm bearish in the sense that, um, to get back to the point of, is the bear market over? I'm bearish on everything, basically, because central banks have pumped trillions of dollars of liquidity in the economy. Uh, debt has risen to all-time highs. We're like at 245 trillion globally, and that's you know that's household and government. So like, pe- not only is personal debt high, it's high everywhere. Uh, student loan debt's a perfect example, and I always reiterate because it's stupid. It's 1.5 trillion. There's a whole generation of millennials and even some of the older uh, Gen Xers um, that are just wrecked. They can't do anything. They can't buy a home. They can't start a family. They can't do shit because they're either high five figure or high six figure or just six figure jet uh, in debt in general. And they're given these degrees that you know, oh, they're they're thinking they're gonna get out of college and make 100k a year, and you're making. 50 you're making 45 and then you got to factor in all the expenses and everything else and then before you know you can barely pay those loans off and you're stuck paying them off forever yep yeah i can i totally understand that point of view from a bearish perspective uh, when you really take a, a big step back and look at it it's um it's it's scary times there's no other way around it and everything's uh, fucking mispriced everything's mispriced that's the right. issue <clears throat> Yeah, I think that's another really good point. Um, the mispricing of a lot of assets, regard it doesn't matter what it is. It's um, it's been influenced in ways that, you know, it's really hard to imagine. So I I hope to see proper pricing of of all assets in the years to come, uh, so that people can start to make smarter economic calculation with you know what they what they're going to do with their life. Um, all right, last um, last question. The uh, the question was about Thunderbird for Lightning Network, and um, pretty much it's a another implementation of the Lightning Network, specifically for IoT devices, and that rings a bell with me big time because I was um, I had f- fell in love with IOTA for a time because I was very into IoT and micro payments and machine to machine payments that made a lot of sense to me and uh now obviously you know (laughs) it doesn't but it makes perfect sense for the lightning network and having iot powered devices um you know pretty much running on top of bitcoin and i i have a little quote here from the coindesk article and it says iot is one of the important like lightning network application area but no one knows what the killer app is in such situation, an increasing number of developers and prototyping trials are very important. And we kind of talked about that killer app idea earlier uh, in the show. And 
it wouldn't surprise me if we saw some very cool IoT applications um, that are enabled by the Lightning Network that um, that may um, may spark some excitement. So who knows? I'd, I'd, I'm interested to see that. I've seen a few ideas of you know using Lightning to pay per API call. So maybe if you have a shitload of data and you don't want to charge a monthly fee to have access to it, you can charge per call. And if you want to, if you're only going to hit this thing a thousand times a month and you don't want to pay the full price of a subscription, you can just pay each time you call it. So I don't know if there's a ton of um, IoT powered devices out there that can have data that's worth paying for that might be one of those um, iPhone type moments where we get a little bit of a killer app but I, I think stay tuned but it, it does excite me what do you think about IOT uh, you know I'm not as much in that tech space as you I'm not that I understand technology but that's a good question um, as we talked about before the killer app what's the killer app for Bitcoin obviously uh, you can see the first one being a store of value but um, really as you said the killer app like email being built on top of because I guess they said the killer app for internet communication, but email is that first thing, and it's just right. something here that's going to come on top that's going to make it, you know, drive you know people towards it, users basically. Because right, again, right, that's right. that's the big hurdle here is users. Um, and yeah, we always talk about price it needs to drive, drive adoption. adoption. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that that would be cool to see um, some sort of application like that that does lead to more adoption. That would be that would be very cool. But the good news is I think you have as maybe lightning is like that that first application layer where HTTP you know enabled uh, a lot of people to build a lot of really fantastic tools on the internet um, you know lightning can be something that is going to bring all the developers that went over to ethereum and all these other shit coins because they want wanted to build cool things they didn't have an opportunity to build anything cool on top of bitcoin because the infrastructure just wasn't even there yet to build something worth using and now you're seeing micro payments and uh you know gambling on lightning you're seeing um you know uh paying for articles you can read the first paragraph for free and if you want to pay for the rest of it you can pay a couple of satoshis and and then you have to worry about dealing with the ads that are you know leaving pixels on your screen and tracking you and selling your data and private information uh the 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 incentives now have changed because micro payments exist so that enables new kinds of applications that weren't possible before and now you just have to let um developers come into this space and start building cool software and things that people want to use and I don't know that they're, they know what people are going to want to use until they build it and just put it out in the wild. So I think it's good news that more developers are coming into the space and being able to build cool IoT shit will definitely be um, fun to see in the future. Yeah, so you know what I talk about. I just watched that video. I don't know if you saw that. It's pretty interesting to see that set up. It's cool, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So, you know, what, what that looks like, you know, I don't know. Could it be... Could it be the like Vinnie Lingham's idea where you have a fucking vending machine and it you know you you type in 
whatever the code you want to get out your soda or your bottle of water or whatever thing. It gives a QR code and boom, you scan it. I don't know. That sounds that sounds pretty sweet. Um, paying for sensor data. Uh, the meat field vending machines. Endless. That's the future. Yeah. No. No. That is <laughs> that is the future. I actually saw somebody. There's a startup that has a uh, a meat filled vending machine with like really prime cuts of meat, yeah. and I don't. It sounds dumb right now, but if infrastructure and retail is changing, I don't I don't see why that wouldn't work. Um, but I, I don't know if it does work and it's a franchise. I will one hundred fucking percent be coming uh, a meat vendor, yeah. slinging meats. Yeah, slinging meat. Like, slinging meats. That would slinging be meats. Would be a <laughs> a dream of mine if I could make memes sell meat be a rich bitcoiner yeah life would be good man life would be good Slinging life meats. would be good <laughs> should we jump into the chinese uh banks limit usd withdrawals hmm? yeah yeah go over what uh what they're doing to people yeah so uh they this happened was it was just over the weekend or on friday i think, it was yeah, on friday. I think this was just recently yeah. yeah well basically they quietly lowered the daily limit on the foreign currency cash withdrawals so Lenders have reduced the scrutiny benchmark for U.S. dollar withdrawals to $3,000 versus or from $5,000 on the instructions of the central bank. Um, this is going to be a big deal, like especially thinking about people who are like citizen, U.S. citizens over there, or people who are using USD, you know, over there. You know, it might not seem like a lot, but still, it could be a big deal. Um, and you wonder if other countries follow suit. Um, cause what people don't realize, and like I try to tell people, the U S dollar is a foreign, it's just basically an economic weapon. It is a giant economic dick and the U S uses it everywhere. And if people don't realize that's why the sanctions are very useful because the current monetary system, 95% of it is what through SWIFT, which is U S dollar and the U S can, you know, basically cock block you if you're trying to wire anything. I, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying that's what happens. Like, I'm just putting it bluntly out there. That's, like, just to give people just a very layman term way of how that happens. Um, and then, again, U.S. dollar in terms of reserve currency. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's still over, I think, 50%, right? Well over 50 I would 50. assume. I would assume, assume so. well over 50 I can't remember. Um, but I think it's, like, 60-something. I can't remember the top of my head. But, anyways, the point is, is we're starting to see us, you know, again, people are moving away from the dollar and it's happening and people aren't really like in the U S don't pay attention to it. They don't think of it as a, you know, it just doesn't make headlines. It's not, it's not as good as something stupid like the Jesse Smollett case or something stupid like that, making all the tabloid headlines and people slowly watch as their dollar is just going to, you know, lose a lot of value. If this, you know, continues to happen, like if the dollar continues to lose demand abroad, one dollar will start to make their flight back to the U S which will, F up inflation, probably. I would imagine because you're just going to have an increase in circulation. Um, that would definitely have an effect. But on top of that, you're just less demand, less reserves. Um, I think in the next decade, honestly, just due to a black swan financial crisis event, um, we're going to see a move to an asset-backed currency. I don't know if that'll be some, why well, I guess Bitcoin's just a different internet money. But something like Bitcoin, will that be something like gold, silver? I don't know. Will it be something oil-backed? I have no clue land back I, I don't know but I think that this whole fiat system is just way unsustainable and we're about to see it happen unfold in front of us um, because what happens we just kicked the can down the road 10 years ago and I know I'm getting a lot of topic here but my point is, is like the can was just kicked down the road nothing's changed and this has allowed politicians to stay shitty the way they are in the US and you can't argue that fact the majority of politicians just suck it's just it, like 
the stupidity things we deal with in the U.S. now and just the encroachment on just basic privacy and freedom just shows the lack of, you know, real care there is there, you know. Um, and I, I don't mean to say that there's not, obviously there's just, there's bad apples versus good apples, but that's my point there. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, at first this didn't really hit me that hard, but when you think about a couple of things, so one, for transactions of $3,000 or more, or if you're withdrawing $3,000 US dollars and you live in China, they want to know exactly what you need that cash for, uh, specifically. That kind of sucks. Um, because it really infringes on your privacy. And somebody could turn around and make the argument, well, if you're not doing anything bad or illegal, you know, why can't you just tell them? And, you know, I'd, I'd hate that argument um, because it's a shitty one and uh, you don't owe anybody an explanation for anything that you're gonna do, first of all. And your privacy is your privacy and you should not be forced to uh, kind of give that up for the, uh, the greater good, or however you want to pay, uh, say that. Um, what I will say is that um, Bitcoin has never gotten in my way when I was trying to withdraw it or send it anywhere or do anything with it. And uh, I think that's a, a good way to kind of really show the difference between Bitcoin and fiat money, uh, that you really do need someone else's permission every single time you use it. Period. Yeah. I might think I'm going to correct myself here because I think this is only for Chinese citizens. So a U.S. citizen could just whatever pull however many USD he wants out. Obviously, because China probably wouldn't care if a U.S. citizen was just spending a lot of money in the country. Because what I'm reading here, according to the quota set by the regulator, Chinese citizens are allowed to exchange and withdraw up to five fifty thousand in U.S. dollars per year in foreign currency, either in a lump sum or in installments. So like that could be euros, that could be yen, but Anything but the one is that you can only do it to fifty thousand in terms of U.S. dollars. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it turns out the uh, the woman who who like freaked out about not being able to withdraw two hundred bucks. Um, it says that she was put on a watch list of customers who were making frequent withdrawals. That really sucks, dude. To be yeah, dude, if, say you hit the say say you hit the ATM once a week for a couple hundred bucks for whatever you're going to spend it on. It does not matter what it is. And being questioned like, hey, what are you doing with that? A couple hundred bucks you keep withdrawing. You're you're on the frequent withdrawals list. Why aren't you using your credit card for every single transaction so we can make sure you're not doing anything that we don't, that we can tax you for? It's like, it's ridiculous. It sucks. And uh, that's a really good example that you always talk about is why you do like having cash. Um, it, it sucks. It's kind of scary. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it here eventually. I don't want to even think about that. Well, I'll be using Bitcoin, so um, it will be different for me. But, uh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's, you know, as you said, it, it just sucks. And China's become a giant police state, and we're not too far behind. And that's what scares me is people in America don't care about that and that sense of lack of privacy, militarization of the police, and then just freedoms being stripped left and right. It's happening everywhere globally. You're seeing it in, in England where people are just literally getting in trouble for posting things on, on like Facebook and Instagram or Twitter. Um, it's getting absolutely ridiculous and people just don't care. It's like the frog in the boiling pile of water. It's just happening all around them and they don't fucking care until it's too late. Um, and that's the right. issue. That's why like 
I started posting so much shit on Instagram because I was just sick and tired of sitting on the fucking sideline watching people be stupid and care about things that don't fucking matter. And I know I say it harshly, but it is true. I mean, like, a majority of people my age are probably caring about fucking Game of Thrones tonight. You know? And I, I hate to rip into it. I don't watch it at all. Whatever. But my point is there's a lot more important things out there right now that are happening just on a global macro scale and also just on a national scale, too. Um, and, yeah, that's my rant. No, yeah, I think that's um, I think that's a good point. It's uh, times are tough, shit's going crazy, all over the place. Um, but it's a it's a lot to talk about. It's a lot to learn from. It's a lot to take in, also. But um, yeah, man, I'm I'm kind of pumped for I'm pumped for next week. Monday is going to be a big day. We'll see what happens with uh with all markets, not just Bitcoin, with you know, with with uh, those U.S. equities, and we'll see uh, see how they open and close, and hopefully uh, there's a ton more shit to talk about when we record next week. Yeah, there's. I'm oh, sorry about that. I just goddamn my bad, my bad. Sorry about that. I was trying to close out a Hamas video shooting rockets. Uh huh. Yeah, as I said earlier, that's a big deal. Like, I don't think people are factoring those things in. And that's what I mean, again, people are watching Game of Thrones, but they don't care what's going on globally. That's going to really probably affect them. And it might not happen now, it might not happen tomorrow, but it's going to happen. Um, and I think this week's going to be a very big week. There's, as you said, like, we're probably going to have a lot to talk about later this week. Like, I don't see any way not, uh, as I said earlier in the show, like, the NASDAQ, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and the S&P 500 were all down over 2%. Uh, on on futures so that's not a good thing um you know it's gonna make tomorrow interesting to say the least for a monday um and i don't know where it ends we've basically the, the whole stock market was on bullshit fundamentals i'm going to talk about this for two minutes and then we can cut this podcast off i don't really care i just want to basically point out to people that everything has been built up on fucking share buybacks and cheap fucking debt and there's consequences for that and that's what's about to happen like you can't buy back shares forever. Like I was talking with my buddy about this the other day. What we're gonna are they gonna buy back the amount of shares? Like is Apple gonna buy keep buying back seventy five billion worth of shares for the next decade? They're not gonna fucking exist. There's gonna be no shares to float around. I mean, it's stupid. We the biggest source of demand for the past decade was corporations buying back their own shares. It's stupid. It, it and it, is, it it skews the whole market. And guess what? When corporations are buying back their shares, guess who's dumping their shares off executives are because they know they can then because they know there's liquidity it is just a effed up thing and I, I guarantee share buybacks will be a debate of 2020 election in america but it's not the only problem but it is a big problem oh yeah that's a good point that's a good point um we're gonna find out i'm pumped i'm pumped for the next episode we gotta we gotta uh, get to the next one. Oh yeah we're gonna get to the next one all right, well, uh, you know, that was episode 17 of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast. We also, I, I forgot to tell you, we have over 1,000 listens, according to Anchor, which is the, uh, the hosting service that we use for this podcast. That is super cool. Uh, appreciate all of the, the reviews from everybody, uh, the comments, the engagement. It, it does make a difference we do appreciate it so we thank you for tuning in and we will uh make sure to like and subscribe to this if, if you don't already tell your friends send it to your grandma um you know whatever you want but uh you know stay tuned 
Yeah, thank you. As I said, as uh, CH just said, please, we really appreciate reviews and people actually like, when people like DM me about this stuff, I actually do enjoy talking about it or people talking about it. I do enjoy talking about it. There's a reason, as he said, we started this podcast because we like talking about this stuff. Like, otherwise I wouldn't do it. <laughs> like, I enjoy this. It's like, it's relaxing. Uh, not hard enough it's relaxing. Well, it's because I just talk about shit I enjoy. But I really do appreciate when people actually do give comments or give it, leave us a review or rating, whatever. It means a lot. Um, just say thank you, guys. Yep. Thanks, man. Peace.